Imaginative Radio. of the Dark Windows Podcast. My name is Kevin. Guess what? My name's Kevin, too. And if we sound faster, it's because I just got my new computer. Um, I don't think we're going to sound faster. Shut up. <laughs> I feel faster. It's okay. sleek. Okay. And I can change the colors on it. Okay. Um, I'm digging the green. I like the yellow, but I'm, I'm digging the green, I think. I like the green. You know. Um, thanks, David, for walking me through what kind of uh, gaming computer I should be looking at, because uh, I... Am an idiot when it comes to computers. I have no fucking clue about any of anything of them. I agree. Uh, thanks, dickhead. That you have that you. I didn't say you're. That you're an idiot. <laughs> okay, no, I'll you buy. meant that I was an idiot though. Well, you implied it. Eh. You son of a bitch. I am not. Whoa! I graduated from college. Fuck you. <laughs> whoa! Whoa! Piece whoa! Of shit. Why are you bringing in college to this? Because you think you're smarter than me. You know what? And you're Fine. Not-ish. I didn't say so. I was. So, in honor of our 4th of July holiday that has just passed, um, be two days ago by the time we hear this. Happy birthdays to the United Happy States. Happy birthday, America. Not um, so much England. England blew a 13-colony lead. Ha ha. You, know. you fuckers had to go to work on Tuesday. Yeah. That's what you get for getting all of January off for, you know, bank holidays and stuff. You know it. So, suck it. We get that one day off in July. <laughs> but we also know what side of, uh, you know... I'm not going to say that because I'm saving that for later. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about a gentleman by the name of Samuel Whittemore. Okay. So he was born just in time to miss being tried for witchcraft. Um, he came into the world July 27th of 1696. This is this is an old story. Uh-huh. Um, second son to Samuel Whittemore Sr. and uh, Hannah Ricks. He was born in Charlestown, Massachusetts. So the next, like... We're going to jump ahead just just a little bit here. The next 48-ish years, kind of a blur. Not a lot happened. Um, but uh, in 1744, he was out in, the, out in the fields. He oils up all his farm tools, and he puts them back in the shed. He strikes me as the kind of guy that would have pegboard, and each tool had its own spot to hang, and it was, like, traced, you know, uh-huh. like how a serial killer sets their garage up, you know. Everything in its place. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a... I've seen people like that that aren't serial killers. Yeah. In the back of their head, they could be. Wait a minute. Didn't you guys have that down in your basement? We had a pegboard, but nothing had a particular place. It just kind of got thrown uh, wherever it fit. Okay. Um, all right. But he, he did all of this um, because he joined up with the 3rd Massachusetts Regiment. And uh, he wasn't going to need his farm tools for a little bit. Mm. So this regiment's headed up by a guy by the name of Jeremiah Moulton. Um, not important. Not going to hear anything else about him from here on out. He's headed off to fight in King George's War, which uh, most notably for him would be the Battle of Lewisburg Fortress. Um, when the ships landed on what is now modern-day Nova Scotia, the, uh, the French, they, they have a little moment where they shit their pantaloons because the English are here now. Uh-huh. Um, and we all know kind of how... They don't like two, each yeah. other. So, they prepared to be sieged. 
the Massachusetts boys prepared to lay siege to that bitch. <laughs> this is happening. Um, so as they do, the French would end up losing and surrendering the fortress, and obviously to the victor go the spoils. Um, so when our chowderhead boys got in there, um, Sam kind of kind of led the way, and they just looted the crepes out of this place. But he found this really, really cool French, like, naval saber, you know? Like something an officer would have. Okay. He's like, that'd be really cool to have. Um, turns out it already had an owner, though, right? Oh, well. I mean, but, he has to make it uh, not the owner's. So according to a direct quote from Samuel, the owner died quite suddenly. Huh. And he acquired said sword. Wow. Okay. Um, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming as, he, as he was like, I don't know what happened. He's just like cleaning blood off the sword. And he's like, man, this is crazy. He just like, it's the craziest thing. He ever. just killed over and then he just yeah. reloads his pistols and puts them back in his belt. Ah, and shit happens, right? That's what I hear. So in 1746, the French sent out a massive expeditionary force to try to retake the fort. Um, and it's led by the most French son of a bitch that's ever existed. Jean Baptiste. De La Roquefort de, uh, de Wah, which is R-O-Y-E. Okay. Yeah. And I only know how that Roy is pronounced Wah yeah. in French because of one of my Patrick. personal favorite hockey players of all time, Patrick Wah, even though he played for the wrong team for quite a while. He did. You know. But then he went to the, the Avalanche, and things were good. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine, because Ray Bork went there, and they won a Stanley Cup, and he cried because he'd been he was like fucking 45 years old when they won it. So he deserved it, even though I wish he had stayed with the Bruins and won it there. I digress. So, <laughs> um, so because God hates the French more than any other race, except maybe the Polish, um, because they seem they seem to get fucked up pretty good too. Um, they never made it to the fort. They're stopped by storms at sea, disease, and of course the scourge of the sea, the British Navy. The Brits would hold the fortress until 1748. This detail doesn't make any sense to me, but I had to put it in. They hold the fort until 1748 when the War of Austrian Succession came to an end. Why this had any effect on a war being fought between the French and British on a completely different goddamn continent, I have no idea. No clue why that had any bearing on this at all. But it did. So, um... With that being said, the Brits relinquish the fort back to the French, and they head back for the colonies. Someone on the way out busted the Louisbourg cross off the wall, um, which was kind of like a big deal. It's a very like ornate little, like almost like wrought iron, but like gold inlaid cross. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm assuming somebody just snapped that son of a bitch off the wall and was like, "Fuck y'all!" Fingers in the air on his way out, um, and just to be safe before on their way back to the colonies, they thought maybe we should set up a fortress of our own nearby just in case. You know. Good idea. Who knows if maybe these uppity French get a little uppity and we got to come back up here and kick their kick their asses, you know. Um, so they establish a fortified town on uh, Shabukto Bay and uh, they would name it Halifax, which is the capital of Nova Scotia now. Okay, um, yeah. 
So since this is a really nice place, good location, all that happy stuff, mm -hmm. the Brits would station the 29th Regiment of Foot there. If you're not sure what Regiment of Foot is, it's basically... Foot soldiers. Foot soldiers. Yeah, you're, yeah. it's infantry. Yeah. It's just how the British did it for whatever reason. Of course. Um, they also had, you know, a, an Earl of Sandwich, so... Oh. They did, yep. A Duke Sand of Earl? Sandwich is a place, and he was the uh -huh. Earl of Sandwich. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Was a, that's another good one. Um because you know it, it'd be it'd be a shame if the fort at lewisburg maybe got besieged again wouldn't it yeah nice fort you got here be an awful shame if we uh did english things and <laughs> colonized it yeah so 1754 rolls around and the french and indian war kicks off since this war can't really oh hold on oh so since war can't just be left alone, a multitude of other European countries get involved, and it spirals into what becomes the Seven Year War, the Seven Years War. Yeah. So you've got people fighting in North America over bullshit in Canada. You've got people fighting in Europe over bullshit in Europe. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody got involved. I believe the Swedes got involved in the Seven Years War, if I'm not mistaken. Why? Who the fuck knows? Maybe for, like, a split second, like, the Viking genetics kicked in. They're like, I smell war, English blood. Yeah, we got to go fight. Um, but after that, they've just been kind of... French blood, too. Yeah, French blood, yeah. I mean, they'll kill both of them. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, they don't um, care. But now they're, unfortunately... Um, Not so much... I think the politically correct term I'm looking for is pussies. pussies. Uh -huh. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> right? You owe me some coke. Um, so keep in mind, our guy Samuel Whittemore, at this point in time, in 1757, is 61 years old. He led troops during an attempt to retake the fort. Uh, the French have fortified and reinforced the fort. They brought in a ton of fresh troops from France. Um, they fought them off pretty easily. But if there's one thing he's shown us, it's that the French and English will never not want to kill each other. So the Brits return to Halifax, regroup, rearm, and decide. Once spring rolls around 1758, we're headed back to the fortress. This mm -hmm. time they're led by a guy named Jeffrey Amherst, who was a big deal in the... the Commonwealth, a colony of Massachusetts. I believe okay. he's what the town of Amherst is named after. I believe. Um, and probably the college that's there, too. So they land back at Lewisburg, like late May, early June, mm -hmm. and they set siege again. Six weeks later, the French have been starving, and they can't leave, so they do what they do and surrender. Um, the surrender was made official on July 26th, which would make a pretty neat little early 67th birthday for our good old boy Sam here. Um, so when he when he enters the fortress, he sees a set of these really neat-looking French dueling pistols. He's like, man, that those would be cool to have for my birthday. Does, some, um, yeah, does someone else own those? Well, I mean, he did until he suddenly died again. Oh. Um, happy birthday, Sam. God damn. <laughs> it's strange how this happens it's around It's weird. This guy. It's like everybody that has stuff that he wants just has like a fucking heart attack and dies. I know. Or maybe gets bayoneted. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I wasn't there. And documents are spotty, but we know he suddenly died. Um, probably of old age at the age of 36. So it gets a little muddy here. 
some documents show that he served on an expedition um, led against Chief Pontiac in 1763. I have... <laughs> I, I, I shit you not, he's a real person. We named cars after him, because that's how we show respect to Native Americans. No, that's not, not where I was going. I was actually going to say, uh, does he, is he party, a business in the front, party in the rear? That's a mullet. Yeah, but I'm nah, saying... No, nah, dude, no, nah, Pontiacs weren't a mullet car. <laughs> yes, they were. No, I don't think so. They were like the Firebird. Uh, mm. Yes. No, that was like I can't afford a haircut, so I just shave my head, kind of car. No. Yeah. No. Come on. Camaros and Mustangs are fucking mullet cars, dude. <laughs> fucking. I mean, come on. No, the Firebird was when a I mullet think car. Firebird. I think Burt Reynolds, and he did not have a mullet. <laughs> he would have. Yeah. Jerry Reed would have would have rocked a mullet in the truck, but Fred I mean... wouldn't let him. <laughs> Uh, it's true. It's true. Fred. Fred. Fred's kind of an asshole like that. Dictator. So I do have. I do have another thing set up where I want to talk about Pontiac's War for one specific event, but that's a different episode for whatever. Um, so he was actually leading men fighting Native Americans across Western New York through Indiana into Michigan, uh, and he, at this point in time, he has been. Um, he's been promoted to a captain of dragoon. Uh, okay. The Dragoons, if you don't know, British Cavalry. Yep. Um, think ba- Jason- Bad motherfuckers. Bad motherfuckers. Think Jason Isaac's character in The Patriot. Yeah. They were Dragoons, and they would fuck your day up. Yep. Um, they had, like, kick-ass cavalry sabers. They had really nice pistols. They didn't really need anything much more than that, because they would just run your ass down and, and fuck you up. Exactly. Um, and actually, the character that... Now, I, I, made it, I made sure I made a note in here. The character that Jason Isaacs plays in The Patriot is based off of a real person. His name was Bannister Tarleton, and he will get his own episode because he was a fucking scumbag. Like, the movie portrayed him pretty accurately with some of the the awful stuff that he did. Um, And we'll also talk about another guy in that episode who will also get his own episode because he was a fucking psychopath. But he was on our side, so he was our psychopath. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, the origins of American special forces started during the Revolutionary War because of this one dude. Hmm. Yeah. And he had somehow like the most effeminate male name of all time. But when you read anything about him, you go, oh, he was a bad motherfucker. <laughs> But we're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it because I will cover him at some point. Um, so due to, due to some of the stuff I did find, I think he was part of the force that actually chased Pontiac off when native forces tried to take Fort Detroit in 1763. Ironic, a Pontiac in Detroit, whatever, you know. Is Fort Detroit? No, nah, it's not in Detroit. It is Detroit. It was a French fort, yeah. Oh. Yeah. No wonder why it's shitty. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's also the general area where the legend of the Nain Rouge comes from, which is Little Red Dwarf in French. That was a cool one, too. Hmm. Origin stories of that are pretty neat. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the Pontiac lost this engagement here, but the Crown signed the Proclamation of 1763, which would ban British settlers from moving any further west than the Appalachian Mountains. Because this kind of sets up a barrier where 
this is where we are and the natives that we can get along with. And over here, these aren't natives. These are the savages. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. These are the ones we don't talk to because they're mean. You know, we'd not like the fucking dope smoke and hippie Indians that we've got up here in the Northeast. Gotcha. Which gotcha. would still fuck you up. But this basically just, you know, delayed the inevitable because, uh, you know, there was something about a trail that people cried on. And um, now they live on shitty reservations. So you're welcome, I guess. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> Wait, who are you talking about? What? What? The trail oh. and... And yeah, they no, cried on I it? Said that, I said we basically just sure? delayed the inevitable of, you know, how we would actually treat them. Oh. <laughs> not us. Not us personally, because I honestly don't have a problem with Native Americans. I've never met one that I had any issues with. Um, are some of them assholes? Probably. But you get that with anybody you run into. True. The government doesn't like them, and they don't like the government. Well, I mean. Which, cool. Goes hand in hand. Right. You know. So, like, maybe we should consider forming some sort of a an alliance and be like listen you guys got the right idea uh-huh. we've got the credit score and equipment <laughs> to do so so like we should hang out or something uh-huh. uh, so at this point not a, not all is well in jolly old american england here just seven years after all of this the boston massacre takes place march 5th of 1770 which is also a little bit over dramatic to call it a massacre. It's, it's like yeah, fucking what? Like three people got shot, something Maybe. like that. Yeah, yeah. One it's... of them was a kid, which is which sucks, but not yeah. really a massacre. It was more like, uh, um, we <laughs> if you would have stopped resisting, this wouldn't have happened. Kind of moment. <laughs> it wasn't a massacre; it was a police shoot. <laughs> uh, no, it was actually more like, um. More like uh, somebody was an asshole. Yeah. And they threw fucking a bunch of goddamn ice balls. And what do you expect when somebody has weapons and you've cornered them? And, well, gee, you throw them and something may have gone off because you fucking hit them and boom, you know, reaction. Or someone said fire, you know, and they thought it was. An order. <laughs> I'm going to make the A-cab argument that everybody else makes. Why did they just shoot him in the legs? Because it's a fucking 68 caliber musket ball and it still would have killed you. <laughs> yeah, and, and there is no fucking way to like, hey, you know, just you shoot don't, him in a leg. You don't aim that thing, you just point it. Yeah. There's there's no aiming with a fucking musket. You're just like, well, I hope I hit something. I mean, they were kind of okay with it. Within like, you know, 15 yards. Yeah, sure. True. That's why they all lined up and exactly. fucking marched box each other. Box formations are a fucking death trap. It's true. Talk about a box formation that didn't work out real well here shortly. Um, so, this didn't set well with the colonists because, you know, journalism did what journalism does and they blew it out of proportion. And uh, let's just say that's why we don't have English accents anymore is because of this particular event. So, our guy Sam may have been. A captain in the British Army, but he was a motherfucking American first and foremost. He turned in his fucking red coat and went, I don't want this anymore. I'm yeah. done with you. Yeah. And retired from the British Army. Because when he, the revolution broke out, he knew which side of the bay he wanted his tea to be on. Mm-hmm. In the wake of the repeal of the Stamp Act in 1766... He served as a committee man for the town of Cambridge. He was elected as a delegate to the Massachusetts Committee of 
Convention in 1768 and served on the Cambridge Committee of Correspondence. Too many fucking committees, too much red tape and bureaucracy. I already hate this. May 12, 1776, he and two other men formed another committee to go to the General Assembly of Massachusetts. When he got there, he had this to say, quote, We have lately seen the rights and privileges of ye people of this province and indeed the whole continent and the greatest danger ever from an active British parliament, which however, which however otherwise intended uh, would in its operation have totally ruined them and greatly hurt Britain. Fair. He also said to Andrew Boardman, who was the general, who was the, I don't really know if he would have been the judge or if he was just like a barrister or something of the general court. Uh-huh. Says, quote, be always watchful of any further danger yet might arise from the from that quarter. Some regulations may hereafter be made, which may prove unfriendly to our liberties. So in other words, keep these pieces of shit in check, because if bad things start happening to us, bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah. I like how you can th- threaten somebody with super flowery language and it doesn't really sound like you're threatening them. True. Um, so the committee didn't trust English Parliament any further than they could throw them, um, and they made a demand. We instruct you to avoid giving your suffrage from, uh, your suffrage for any gentleman who by any sort of dependence or connection may be under, tempta- uh, under temptation to yield to unre- uh, unreasonable demands or prerogative. So he's, he's like starting to get like slightly Marvin Hemeyer here, where he was a reasonable man that was driven to do unreasonable things. Yeah. He's a reasonable man that's warning you not to drive him to do unreasonable things. Yes. Um, which, spoiler alert, in case you have been under a rock for the last 247, 48 years or so, um, we were driven to do unreasonable things. And we did really good at it. Not at first, but good enough at the end that it worked out. Um, they also did something pretty interesting. They asked Boardman to do... to do what he could to set up a viewing gallery in the state house so that voters and people of the colony could go watch lawmaking sessions and offer their input. They wanted this because he was worried that if elected officials were allowed to work behind closed doors, it would turn into a mini British parliament here. So if you have an audience of people that are responsible for putting you there, you have to be audio. You have to be honest. You can't bullshit in front of them because now they can call you out for it. They go, oh, mother, you're, you're, you're a lying sack of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, C-SPAN doesn't really count as being an audience to lawmaking. We should be allowed to go sit there. Mitch McConnell, you look like a fucking frog. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> and take that bitch back to bartender school. She sucks at her job, too. His next opportunity at some political stuff came in 1768 when Governor Francis Bernard... He's a British governor of Massachusetts, not an actual elected official. He's an appointed at yeah. this point. Um, he dissolves the general court under orders from the crown. February of that year, the uh, the Legislative Assembly sent out a circular um, to other colonial legislators, quote, to communicate their mind upon a common concern. And the court was dissolved due to the refusal of the committee to take the letter back out of circulation and apologize. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like some weird shit's going on and we want to make sure you're aware of it and then they're like ah uh, you gotta get rid of that and you're like no 
I don't think we will, thanks. You guys didn't apologize, so guess what? We're taking your toy. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Yeah. We're taking your right to be fucking humans and govern yourselves. By September, Massachusetts is still without a General Assembly, and Boston is kind of starting to go into a little bit of an uproar here with news that a regiment from England would soon be arriving in town, like Hmm. a fresh regiment off the boat from England. Yeah, and there's these boys that are there, you know. There's one, he's in Adams, his name's Sam. Yeah. Uh, he's starting shit. He was making beer, and then he's like, hold on. <laughs> yeah, he's starting uh, stuff, you know, with, and, you know, again, in Paul. Yeah. Well, Paul Revere was just a drunk. So was Sam. But Samuel Adams was a functional drunk that True. got work done. I mean, I mean, Paul Revere was a functional drunk, too. Paul Revere and Ethan Allen kind of go into that same boat yeah. where they're both drunks, but they're like, they're almost like Jim Leahy drunk, where they're just as dangerous sober as they are drunk, but they're, they're sober enough to know what they're doing, but just drunk enough to really enjoy doing it. True. Including nailing wigs to the inside of fucking Fort Ticonderoga. <laughs> It was mostly his brother because he was passed out in the boat, but whatever. We'll save that for a different, hey, different episode. You know, um, it's besides the point. He got, he gets all the credit. But the reason they brought troops in from England is because... Those filthy fucking colonials were getting snotty. No, there was already British troops in town. They brought fresh troops in that didn't know anybody there. Yeah. So they would... These would be... This would be like bringing the UN... Because they were worried. Right. That... that it, if given an order to actually fire, fire or crowd. whatever, they would not. Right. This is the equivalent of, like, if they were to bring the UN here to take guns away. They would just shoot people because they don't fucking care. They don't and know I, who any of us are. I mean, they, they saw what happened after the Boston Massacre with the whole trial. Yeah. You know, and, of course, fucking the man himself, you know, Mr. Adams. Yeah. Had to go and defend him. Because uh, he's a lawyer. Because he's a lawyer. And he defended him. He did. To the law, mm-hmm. and got he didn't s- agree with them morally, but legally, they were in the right. But I mean, at the same time, I think no, I think he did morally too because he didn't feel that, um, you know, after all, after seeing all the evidence and everything else, he didn't actually, you know, couldn't say for sure that they they what they did was, uh, you know, horrendous because. They didn't know. They, did, they were defending themselves. They were defending themselves, right. and they didn't. They were just following. They thought most of them were thought they were following an order, and the other guy who was the commander was trying to stop them. Right. You know, but, stop shooting, stop doing that. You know, and you know, red coat, blue helmet, same difference. Aim small, miss small. True. <laughs> <laughs> so the Boston town meeting. Um, the people running it decide that they're going to send out a circular because uh-huh. well, I mean, you got to send out a circular. You you send out one. We're going to send out one. We got this fucking printing press. We're going to use it. Thanks, Mr. Gutenberg. Which took uh, which took like, you know, five years to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're like, uh, hold on. Wait, wait. We got we got this certain shit. Hold on. Hold, hold on. on. We got to set our fucking blocks. And Can stuff. you come back to see us by the <laughs> end of the week? We'll get all the blocks done. It's going to take a little while. <laughs> so, um. They put the circular out to various different, like, surrounding towns, um, trying to set up a committee of convention to be held at Faneuil Hall in Boston on September 22nd, 1768. There will uh, be no beer served. Oh, wait, no, there's beer served. Sorry. Oh, fuck, there won't be. <laughs> uh, 
I don't think at that time they had the true box Boston accent. Oh God, no, no. But I don't think they did. Well, it's like it, you know, it's you know, it's weird. If you take a Southern accent and speed it up, it's a British accent. It is the same thing, just slowed down. The Boston accent, you don't get that. That's just like garbage that came from somewhere. Same with like the Jersey and like lower New York well, accent. The Irish it's all came trash. In. The Irish came in and they fucked it all up. Probably. Probably. You know. Those accents, I mean, like, I know we have people from those areas, but you guys, your accents are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> give me a southern accent. Give me an Australian accent. Fuck, I'll even take a Scottish or an Irish accent. Absolutely. That, that like, that metropolitan area, like, in the northeast is just... Ugh. I don't like... You know what's worse than that? The New York accent. I, I, I lumped it all in there. It's all no, not No, no, no. New York City accent's worse. They're all bad. They're like, trying to be a Boston accent, but they they get they fail. And then Jersey is like that. Oh, that like huh. unhappy medium between the two, where eh. it sounds like both at the same time. It's a bunch of turds. It's gross. But then, like the main accent's different because that's that's purely that's, New England. That is that is um, Boston, but reformed. It's no, it's not. Yeah, it is white trash Boston accent. It I is. It's, I said it's Boston, but reformed. No, reformed means it's better. Yeah. No, like more like more dignified. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. It, it's fucking fish speak. Stop. It's like... It's not. It's Newfoundland? Here. So the meeting's set. Um, There's hors d'oeuvres to be had. Yes. But a uh, lot of beer. Quote, through... Uh, I'm sorry. Deprived of a general counsel in the dark and difficult season... That's how they how they explained it here. Mm. The selectmen expressed their uh, their conviction that quote the loyal people of the province will immediately perceive and per- uh, perceive the propriety and utility of the proposed committee of convention and the sound and wholesome advice that uh, that may be expected from a number of gentlemen chosen by themselves. Uh-huh. So it's they're a funny saying, way of saying. We're going to do our fucking shit. We, we, as the people that live here, are creating our own committee to talk to you. Yeah. We are electing these men to talk to you. You don't get to pick people to talk to yourselves. Yes. Which is how the English would have done it. Yes. Because, Um, I mean, they can only, they can't talk to us because, well, we're only colonials and we're not the same as them. Yeah. We're the blue-coated stepchildren. Fuck them. You left little... literally out in the fucking cold. Well, yeah, they got what. Unless you were one of the lucky ones that was in like the Carolinas, where it was whatever. Hey, you know, up here, and they wonder why people in New England are fucking miserable. You know, look what? at our history. Look how look how how the climate's been here forever. That's why we hate everybody else. Listen, it it took the whole like you know, uh, give me liberty or give me death yeah. to start Thomas Henry here in fucking Massachusetts. Okay. Don't call us Massachusetts. No, no. Well, that's fucking gross. I'd rather be called New York than Massachusetts. Technically, we were. Uh, well, we're actually we were technically New York. Yeah, and New, New Hampshire and Maine were Massachusetts. But I mean, but for te- a while, technically we were New York. Right. On this half of the mountain, yeah, we were, the other half of the mountain was New Hampshire. We were outlaw country. <laughs> yeah, we. And then we. Then uh. Then you know, there's these fucking bastards that you know, were like, eh. Eh, we don't like that so much. You know, get the fuck out. Yeah, 
You're from New York? Piss off. Piss off. <laughs> so just a few days later, September 29th, the inhabitants of Cambridge come to another vote, and this one's held to figure out, quote, whether it be the minds of the inhabitants of the town to proceed to choosing a person to join with the committee of conventions uh, of the other towns in this province now sitting in Boston. So we got to figure okay. out, do we want to bring people in from other towns or do we want just people here that are living in the issue? You know, fair enough. So the answer comes um, when the town elected Whittemore as their, resp- as their representative <laughs> along with Thomas Gardner. Oh, Jesus. He's going to steal somebody else's fucking machete oh, he's or a, something. He's going to fuck somebody up here shortly. We're, we're, coming, we're coming back into the action here in a minute. No, but he's going to steal. He's gonna, it's going to be like his birthday or it's Christmas. He's going to fucking shoot somebody on the committee because they have tomahawks or something. Oh, dude. No, no, that no, no, he no. wants. What we're going to get into is like all of his birthdays together plus like a dozen Christmases. Oh. And then a nightmare. So he's stealing. All at once. So he's stealing a cannon. He ain't stealing or, shit. Or a ship. He ain't stealing shit. Okay, fine. So by the time the Cambridge delegates are elected, the convention is completely ended. So you're like, you're a little late. So Whittemore and Gardner never actually even got to the, the, to the meeting because it had already ended before they were fucking chosen. Those cocksuckers. <laughs> so the Boston Gazette, which was still around apparently back then, uh, said that despite the business of the convention having already been concluded, quote, Cambridge, by a very great majority, had indeed re- uh, responded to Boston's call and elected representatives. Uh, though unable to attend the convention, the chosen gentlemen desired to acquire, uh, to acquaint the public that they were have, oh, God damn, this old fucking timey language, to acquaint the public that they that they have carefully read and printed proceedings and result of the committees uh, uh, and, high, and highly approve. Jesus Christ. So, Whittemore accepts the, ch- uh, the charge to become the, the representative from Cambridge. Uh-huh. Um, and because he, he did this, the only reason he even threw his name out there is because he was super pissed off that the general court had been dissolved. Didn't like that at all. Um, uh, so the convention would then acknowledged, um, quote, there are these who deem it criminal for aggrieved fellow subjects to join. Uh, and the, so there's then a, peti- a petition put out and, um, the governor believed that the convention was unlawful in its, on its own and refused to accept any petitions regarding it from anyone that was part of it. So because he didn't like the fact that they had created their own committee that was not approved by him, he went, nah, we're not going to do this. This is just not happening. So December 1772, he's 76 years old. Um, he's elected, re-elected to the Cambridge Committee of Correspondence. Um, the first committee of correspondence had taken place a month before this okay. in Boston. So the goal of the Boston Committee was, quote, to state the rights of the colonists of this province to communicate and publish the same to several towns. Um, Accordingly, they sent a letter, um, which would actually become known as the Boston Pamphlet. I don't know if that's a big thing or not. I'm not from Boston. Uh, So they sent this out to a bunch of different towns, um, letting people know about the violations that the committee, I'm sorry, but the the violations, the violations that have been committed by Great Britain 
and they're asking asking them for support. So trying to get trying to whip people up to go. You know, I think we've had enough of this shit. You guys need to you know back us up, and we'll be all good here. So Cambridge responded uh, responded to the Boston Committee's uh, letter and held a town meeting in December of uh, 1772. The town voted to form a Cambridge Committee of Correspondence. God damn these fucking committees to go to Boston. Uh, Whittemore and eight other men were unanimous, unanimously elected to serve. Whittemore's name appeared in the Boston Evening Post December 21st, 1772, followed by his eight compatriots. So they basically put him at the head of this committee. Um, so, uh, 1772, a more forceful tone is coming into play here than there was in 1766. We're not so much asking anymore. We're telling you what we're going to do. Um, so these instructions are given to Andrew Boardman after the Stamp Act. Um, and this is fairly significant because the three men of the Stamp Act repeal committee in 1776 were Samuel Whittemore, Ebenezer Stedman, and Eliaphet Robin, uh, Robbins. And they are now all members of this, this committee in Cambridge. Um, so by 1772, the, uh, um, I'm going to skip that part. That's not that important. Uh, after a year, Whittemore signed, um, a pretty forcefully worded letter to the Cambridge, uh, committee that was being sent to Boston to express their <sighs> displeasure and kind of solidarity with, the committee from Boston for the T for the, you know, for the repeal of the T act. Um, he says, quote, if we cease to assert our rights, we shall dwindle into, uh, into supineness and the chains of slavery shall be fast riveted upon us. The late act of the British parliament empowering the East India company to export tea on their own account and expose the same to sale is a recent proof of the, uh, determination of the ministry to pursue that dia their diabolical plan to enslave the Americas. Um, so he's, he's kind of, he's kind of calling it out. Like he's, he's calling his shot and being like, this is what's going to happen if we don't act accordingly and do something. Uh huh. A couple weeks later, the committee of Cambridge, Brookline, Roxbury and Dorchester, uh, meet for a joint conference. And, uh, Whittemore attends this meeting. He had the opportunity to meet and talk with men, that were very like-minded with him. Um, some, some names here that may sound familiar. Uh, Dr. Joseph Warren, Josiah Quincy Jr., James Otis Jr., and uh, Sam Adams, all at the meeting. Um, they were, because they were all members of the, um, the Boston committee. Yeah. So obviously you get your, that's where you put your big names is there. But I think here we're going to take a super quick break. We're going to come back, go through a little bit more red tape. And then we're going to get into some interesting shit. Okay. So just stick with us. It's all good. I promise the ending is worth it. So at this meeting, the committee's kind of very quietly voted in favor of uh, what they referred to as, quote, using their joint influence to prevent the landing and sale of teas expected from the East India Company. So we're going to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, Another letter is then sent out to the towns containing, you know, information about all this shit. Um, if declared that the arriving tea was even, quote, 
more to be dreaded than plague or pestilence. <laughs> uh, so townspeople started to refrain from drinking the tea to, quote, impress upon the minds of your friends, neighbors, and fellow townsmen the necessity of exerting themselves in a most zealous and determined meter, manner to save and pre uh, present any future generations from temporal and, and ethereal destruction. So this was the... This is the earliest known occurrence in the United States of vote with your dollars yeah. kind of thing. Um, the Boston Tea Party would occur about three weeks later. Um, Bunch he, of fucking uppity fuck faces. What? Got on a boat. Yeah. Dressed as Native Americans. Yep. And fucking... They weren't uppity. They were doing their jobs. Eh. Said, fuck them English. Throw their shit in the ocean. You know, give yeah. me old Boston hello. Eh, I mean, I mean, eh. What do you mean, eh? The tea wasn't going to go to fucking here. It was actually going to go somewhere else, I believe. Doesn't matter. They were they were taking it so that the East India Company couldn't continue to sell it after it's already been taxed. It's true. And you hurt the East India Company, you hurt the crown. Yes, because taxation, well, representation yeah. was their whole thing. It was their whole... That's what uh, Sam Adams and yep. and all of them and but you know John Adams was like, uh, you know he, he was kind of wishy washy a little bit on the whole thing, but then as more and more stuff came, he's like you know you, you can't tax us, you know and do all this stuff, but then want more out of us, which yeah I mean they had to act like petulant little school you know children and we had to and go on a boat dress like native americans because why would we not want to be ourselves and just fucking do it you know because you know fuck the savages right we're making a point is what we were doing what screw the savages no fuck the english yeah but they dressed as native americans okay instead of big fucking deal <laughs> and big then deal. and then they then then they tarred and feathered people who cares and you know how bad that is yeah it sucks you die from it you can die, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to tell me that there's never been another instance where people have dressed up like somebody else to go do something stupid. I don't know. Happened I mean, all the fucking time. Examples. Uh, well, let's see. The thing that started World War II, I'm pretty sure, is they killed a German soldier and put him in Polish uniform. We're like, oh, this motherfucker invaded. So we killed him. Well, that's not him. what started World War II. But... It, was, it, was, it helped. No, there was a killing of a certain gentleman. I mean... Who? Franz Ferdinand. That was World War One. Or one, whatever. World War Two wasn't... No, I'm sorry. Yes. World War One was that. But World War Two was... No. World War War. No. World War Two. No, no, it was. Because it was, because uh, Kaiser Wilhelm said... No, was it Kaiser Wilhelm? No. Somebody said that what's going to start it is some damn thing in the Baltics. Yeah. And it was correct. Yeah. And, but... I'm pretty sure... World War II was... I'm pretty sure during World War II, there's more than one example of either Brits or Americans dressing as Italian civilians and fucking sabotaging shit to make it yeah. easier to land. That um, didn't still start it. it. It happened during, the like, the Middle Ages. They would dress fucking people as, as uh, you know, peasants and shit and send them into castles to sabotage shit and open gates and stuff. It's yeah. a disguise. They've been used forever. Okay. You're just mad because they dressed up like fucking Indians. Yeah. 
cultural appropriation. Nope. I don't give a fuck. Who said I, that? I don't care if they were dressed like fucking slaves. Who they said did the that? right thing. Who said that? No, it's where your mind it. went, though. Nope, it did not. Because if they had been dressed like other white people, you wouldn't have had a problem with it. They sh- No, they should have been. They should. <laughs> Whoa. Drop the fucking R-bomb on me. Oh, yeah, hard R-bomb. Because <laughs> uh, that actually never crossed my mind. Uh, and it should have been, hey, they should have been joke. not pussies and just done it themselves. They did do it themselves. No. Dressed as themselves, got on the fucking boat, and then like, boop. Well, how do you know that they didn't have, you know, like, natives that were working there that were unloading the boats? Because they didn't trust these fucking guys. How do you know? They didn't. How do you know? They didn't. Were you there? Didn't. Nope. Nope. You weren't. (laughs) Anyway, so as these heroes are throwing crates of fucking tea into the ocean, something, something happens simultaneously here. Something where Samuel is actually involved. So at the same time, April 19th, 1775, just shy of his 79th birthday, this man is 79 years old. He's young. Okay. He's a year younger than our president, and he does not have dementia. Okay. He's hanging out on his farm, doing his thing. Out, just doing whatever out in his front yard. British troops appear on his property, returning to Boston. Okay. The Brigade of Relief Troops was being led by Earl Percy. Um, and they'd been being fucking harassed, being shot at their entire way back by local militiamen. So they're not in a real good mood. 78-year-old man steps out onto his porch and demand, and I quote, I made this up, but I'm quoting it anyway. They show the utmost prudence while removing themselves from his farmstead post-haste. The old-timey version of saying, Hey, you fucking kids, get off my lawn. Okay. When they didn't remove themselves expeditiously, he stepped back into his house. He come back out with his musket, fully loaded, two dueling pistols, and then he told them to leave. He, uh, what he wasn't aware of is that uh, these weren't your run-of-the-mill, you know, fucking teenage redcoats. These were grown-ass men. These were grenadiers of the 47th Regiment of Foot. Uh-huh. Um, again, if you're not super familiar with what they are, grenadiers are not the guys to fuck with. They're usually the biggest, strongest guys, and they're specially trained in um, assaulting positions with bayonets, throwing grenades, shit like that. They were essentially like British, almost special forces, kind of, for the Revolutionary War. They were, they were badasses. Let's, yeah. we'll, we'll give them that. Words were exchanged at a distance. Um, most likely one of the young bucks in his neat fucking crisp little red coat. Told says him to something. piss off. So, oh, you won't shoot me, old geezer. He gives him the fucking thing. Piss off, you old fuck. Um, which my new favorite super senior, and any of our Vermont listeners will know exactly what super seniors are, uh-huh. um, probably responded with, the fuck I won't, and uh, laid a lead ball three quarters of an inch in diameter through his forehead. <laughs> uh, his musket was a 75 caliber. Uh-huh. Which makes it three quarters of an inch across. That's a big chunk of fucking lead. That's like getting shot with a thumb. Yeah. It's <laughs> huge. You know? Uh, so they're, they're completely shocked at this. And a man that should have been dead 30 years ago from old age um, had just killed one of their guys. So they returned fire. Whittemore dives behind a stone wall as musket balls are mushrooming against the rocks. Probably breaks a hip. And reloads. He's got two fucking pistols. Come on, boy. Come on that, up. That's a special treat we can save for later. 
So as the redcoats are reloading, um, the young men start to close the distance across the grass as they're reloading because they're grenadiers. They do that. They yeah. don't just stand still and reload. They can walk and do it. Yeah. Um, Samuel, what these, <laughs> these, these are these are trained. You yeah, know, these aren't these aren't fucking conscripts. These are professional soldiers. Yeah. Um, Samuel Whittemore pops up and uh, delivers another 75 caliber slug to one of their chests, kills him immediately. They stayed in formation, fire again, and again, he dives down and reloads. Um, muskets kind of take forever to reload. Uh, yeah. On average, at that point in time, guys are getting off maybe three shots a minute. Whittemore didn't have to reload quite yet, though, um, because he pops up and he rips off two shots with his dueling pistols and kills another one of these fucking guys. Between two of them, I mean, you know, okay. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's basically a tiny blunderbuss. You're not you're not real accurate. You're just like fucking bam bam and just hope you hit something. Yeah. Um, which he did, very much so. As he's reloading everything, one of the Brits decides to break rank and start moving up to the side to distract him. Um, as the guy's moving up to flank him, he pops up and rips a shot off at him. Doesn't hit him. What does hit him is a musket ball in the jaw. Oh. So Sam is now on the ground in a lot of pain. Oh. Um, so as he's laying there screaming, the rest of them charge. Um, the remaining four redcoats stuck him a half a dozen times with bayonets, um, pulled out clubs and beat him. They rifle butted him in the head. They fucked him up. Um, you stabbed him. He's going to fucking die. Yeah. Rotten bastards. So, when they were done, they left the bloody body of Samuel Whittemore laying in his own front yard and continued on their way to Boston. You know, half their force short because fucking Clint Eastwood's character from Gran Torino showed up out of his front yard. Get off my lawn. <laughs> fucking swamp rats. Um, so, I'm sure they're, like, high-fiving and, like, celebrating that they just killed themselves an old man. Yeah. Um, about four hours later, the lifeless body of Samuel Whittemore is discovered by one of his children. And uh, when they came out crying, he sat up because he wasn't dead after all. <laughs> okay. He's had his fucking skull broken. He got shot in the jaw with a musket. Got stabbed a half dozen times with bayonets. Got the shit beat out of him. Crotchy old and bastard. And he's not dead. <laughs> okay. He's probably pissed at this point. Oh, I'm sure. Where are those little <laughs> bastards? So one of the children helped him into the house, and they sent one of the grandchildren into town to yep. get the doctor. Um, so as as the, they're leaving to go get the doctor, they're doing their best to staunch the bleeding, try to close stuff up, and try to like tend to his busted-ass head. Because he's too stubborn to die, he didn't. Um, unfortunately, he would succumb to his wounds. 18 years later in 1789. <laughs> okay. Here's where I'm going to, I'm going to have you read something on the show because I want to get your actual reaction to what you're about to read. When you uh, read this out loud for the entire class. Okay. And what I'm about to hand you is a picture of his gravestone. Okay. Okay. Um, so here you go. I'm going to hand it to you face down. Okay. Read that for the class, if you would. Verbatim. All right. Here this spot. Oh, no, sorry. Near this spot. Samuel Woodmore, then 80 years old, 
killed three British soldiers April 19th, uh, 1775. He was shot, bayoneted, beaten, and left for dead, but recovered and lived to be 98 years of age. <laughs> Four times the lifespan he should have had at the time. He was an old crotchety 98 bastard. 98 goddamn years old. It just sucks he didn't live to 100. Fucking death had near Samuel Whittemore experiences. Um, but he, he would end up dying peacefully in his Menotami home in Massachusetts on his farm. Yep. Surrounded by family. Um, not only was he a, prof- <laughs> a prolific killer of Brits, but he was also a master pipesman. Um, he wanted to make sure that his family line was long and strong, and he is responsible for 185 direct descendants, and only God knows how many indirect descendants are related to this man. Uh, in 2005, he was officially made the state hero of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Oh, wow. He was a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, I I was trying to find something, like, I want to do something Revolutionary War. I don't have a lot of time to do something super in-depth. And I'm like, I, I, I don't even remember how I found him. But I found him, like, that name looks familiar. Because, like, we got a shitload of Whitmore's here. Like, well, maybe he's related somehow. Um, and I'm looking into it, and I'm like, this fucking guy was a million years old. Killing killing Brits. He, he was still alive at a time when most people now are dead. Yeah. Killing English troops on his own property. Yeah. It's a bad son of a bitch. Goddamn. Yeah, so... Goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice. So, I apologize for the middle, which was kind of boring, because it's all red tape and bullshit. Well... Hope the ending was worth it. Yeah. Because nobody saw was. that coming. Nobody no. saw a fucking 100-year-old man. No. In the 1700s. No. So... Not many people lived that long. Not many people lived that long now. Eh, a lot more living that well, long. More now, but not, you know. I mean, just 17. I'm not going to live to see 90. 1770, what, four? Three? Five, when he died. I'm sorry, no, he died in like 17. No, I'm when saying. Did he die? No, 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 when he was shot. It was 17. 1775. He lived 75. another 18 years after that. Yeah. So Where he, he continued to do other shit in like the public eye. So like 17. So just another. You know, shit was really piping off. Yeah. Like, like Bunker Hill was damn near yeah. close. The guys that shot him were returning from the battle of fucking, um, was it Concord and... Yeah. Yeah, that, whichever one it was. They were, they were coming back from there where they'd gotten their asses kicked. So they were already in a bad mood. And then... Yeah, which was a bunch of fucking uh, hillbillies going... Hey, hey, go! Yeah. Get out there! Fight! Then fucking Grandpa John Wick shows up in his own house yeah. where he's not supposed to be, you know? Exactly. This fucking American peasant. Well, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was a good one. I Eat like that. shit and die. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Pretty good one. Well, if you want to hear more, uh, more, you know, more stuff like that. We don't do enough Revolutionary War shit. No, we don't. We really need to. No. But if you want to hear about another crotchety old bastard. Oh, patreon.com <laughs> forward slash dark windows podcast. $5 yes. a month. We'll get you access to, this would be episode number 76, which is perfect because of 1776. If you go over to... Kevin's talking about a crusty old man, too. Yeah, I am. 
Uh, that's why I'm saying if you want to hear about another another uh, crusty old bastard. But uh, this guy is not as... Uh, is he more crusty or more bastard? More of... Uh, than, our, than our new friend Sam. More of uh, full of shit. Okay, so he's more bastard. Yeah, yeah okay. this guy was more full of shit. I mean, sort of. A little part of him wasn't, but the rest of him was full of shit. So he's like 98% shit. Yeah. Okay. There's still 2%. Okay. Okay. Fair so, yeah, uh, this week's episode is going to be about a guy who, uh, you know, a little bit full of shit. Um, I'd yeah, say page- more full of shit than not full of shit. So, Patreon, like through. Kevin said, go over there, check it out. $5 a month, get you another free episode. <laughs> Not and... free, they're paying for them. <laughs> God damn. Uh, Man, I love this free sandwich I paid for. You fucking dummy. Uh, and uh, You're doing it on purpose. I know, you know I it am. pisses me off. I am. Uh, uh, you can also uh, go over to studio.com. Check them out. They have headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth a speaker. speaker actually, well, uh, sorry. A speaker and a pair of headphones at this point. Well, a style of headphones. Yes. I'm sure they have more than one pair of them. Well, one style. Sorry. Yeah. And a different bunch of styles of earbuds. They got more shit for your ears than you can shake a stick at. And if you, when you find what you want, put it in check the che- basket, go to checkout, put the promo code of DARKWINDOWS15 to get 15% off your entire purchase. That is your entire purchase. Yeah. Also... You can find us on Facebook, Dark Windows Podcast, uh, Twitter, and Instagram, Dark Windows Pod. Uh, you, if you need to email us, you can email us, or you can e- you can just message us directly if you yeah. want to bitch and complain. Yeah. I mean, if you bitch too much to me, I'm going to tell you to fuck off. But, you know. If you well, bitch too much to me, I'm going to bitch to you about work, and yeah. then you're going to have to listen to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, uh, yeah. Um, oh, also, uh, we... I don't know if we said it on this or if we just said it on Patreon, but if you guys want to hear an episode, you're like, God damn, guys, you guys should really, really cover this up, you know, this topic. Let us know. Yeah. Shoot us a message. I Uh, will say, and this is not showing favoritism, but if you're one of our patrons on Patreon and you have a recommendation, yours is probably going to get taken first. True. Because you're paying for it. (laughs) True. But Nothing if, we won't take everything under consideration, because we will. But you know what would be cool? Is if somebody came up with something where we could do Patreon, or episode and Patreon, combine them. You know, so like we could do, you know, a, like an extension. The Patreon is an extension of the main episode, because okay. there's something else that we didn't cover. It would be kind of cool. We yeah. haven't done, we've only done that like once. We've done it more than that. No, I've only, I've done it once. Because I, I, I like to try to find something completely different for Patreon. Yeah. Like, like I said, we've done it once. I did one extension, which was basically the uh, the cult, the sex cult. You also cult. did one from the bank robbery. Oh. Yeah. Well, did we? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll say this. If you're, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you may want to get on Patreon next week because you're going to like that. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, hey, that's about it. That's it. So if you, uh, you can't see out dark and something i don't know fuck it kevin is 98 years old (laughs) just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you that's right that's what he said goodbye